If you have a Bible or you know the Bible, um, Ephesians chapter 3, if you turn uh, to that, but if you're not, uh, if you don't know the Bible, it may be on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 3, we'll look at verse 17 in a moment. But the reason that we worship is we don't think that we are the centre of everything. See, people, when they see us worshipping like this, they think, are these just needy people who uh, can't look after themselves. It's actually the opposite. We have found a rock and a solid foundation and we just have come to the conclusion that we are not the centre of everything. That's one of the reasons why we worship. People don't understand that about us. They think, those Christians, they go, you know, they're praising God. Can't they look after themselves? Well, actually, we've come to the conclusion and we've found out that God wants to care for us and that we want to follow him. I've been to the nation of Australia. I've been to Sydney. Uh, I've been there. I, if you haven't been there, then you might, uh, you might still believe in it, but I've been there and I can tell you it's there. In York Cathedral, there's a window called the Rose Window. If you look at it from the outside, it's completely dark and you can't make out any details whatsoever. But if you go inside of York Minster, a great cathedral in the city of York, and you look from the inside, you can see all the detail that's there. It's a beautiful, beautiful window. In fact, our stained glass window from the outside isn't going to look as good from the inside. Here's the thing I want to just say to you. Some truths, you have to experience them on the inside. And if you just keep looking from the outside, it's kind of that you won't quite get it. If I asked you tonight, what are you sure of the most? Like, we have a saying in England, don't we? As sure as eggs is eggs. I don't even really understand what that means. But, you know, that you are absolutely sure. What, was it the sky is blue or your mum loves you or, you know, uh, uh, you know what, what are you absolutely sure of? The truth that you can say, I, can, I just know that that's true because tonight I'm going to share with you a truth that is absolutely absolutely true. You can't make it any more true than it is. You see, we actually are people who believe in absolute truth. We, we are people who say there are some things that it's not just my truth or your truth. We, we, we actually think there are some things that are absolutely true. Uh, on earth, gravity is absolutely true. In space, gravity is, is not effective. This truth is effective whether you're on Mars, uni, uh, uh, Jupiter, in space, wherever. What I'm about to say to you is absolutely true. And some people sitting in the audience tonight or watching online, you might be offended by that and say, how can you claim absolute truth? You see, as a Christian listening to me, you're going to agree with what I say and you're going to say, Pastor, we know that. Mark, we know what you're saying. Although, 
How many of you think that sometimes you have to rediscover things that you know? Amen? That's why we have birthdays. You know, you, you rediscover that you, that you want to show love to somebody. That's why we have anniversaries. That's why we celebrate people. Some, some of you husbands need to rediscover why you fell in love with her in the first place. Oh, it's gone awfully quiet out in the, in the room. There is times when truth has to be rediscovered and really refreshed in our lives. For some of you who have not yet discovered this truth or not yet decided whether uh, what I'm about to tell you is true, you, it, you're going to have to give some time to think about it and honestly reflect on it. Because here's what we do with truth. We usually, by the time we get into adulthood, we pretty much know what we believe and we back things away. Oh no, no, no. Especially truth that becomes really personal to us. What I'm about to tell you is absolutely truth. Are you ready for it? Here is truth. This is, this is so true. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. Now, some of you are not impressed by that because you have heard it so much. But that's the foundation of everything. You are a loved person in this world. And actually, that's something for you to grasp, to get a hold of, to rediscover, to deepen in. It's the solid foundation of all of our life. You're loved. Sometimes we don't know what God does. We don't know how it works out. We can't, we can't reconcile some things. But the foundation of everything is God says, I love you. I am love and I love you. Ephesians chapter 3, read it with me. Okay, have a look in the scriptures there. In verse 17 it says, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Now, one author said, I'll tell you how high, how long, how deep that is. It's this wide. It's the, it's the width of stretching out a young man on a cross who says, I, I love you. It's this high, the height of a cross on a hill. It's this deep, how deep a stake will go into the ground. But here, Paul means it, that the love of God is something that you have to continually revisit, refresh yourself in, that you may grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and know that this love surpasses knowledge. And this is going to be difficult for some of you because you want to know everything, but you've got to catch it as well as be taught it. So we're going to ask the Lord that you can catch something tonight so that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, when you grasp 
how much God loves you. When you as a Christian say to the Lord, I want to rediscover that. I want to go deeper again in that. I I just don't want to say, oh, I know that Jesus loves me. That you kind of say to yourself, I want to know it again, Lord. That then God begins to fill you with more of him. With a depth about him. To get this truth so that it helps you you'll need to take a closer look of what's inside of you. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Over these next few weeks, these are called the compass talks, and it's what you can set your life compass by. And you can set your life compass tonight by saying, God loves me, and that is true. That's my compass, that's my foundation. And we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But first of all, we need to see, if you're going to grasp this truth again or maybe for the first time let's just have a little look at what's inside you can I talk uh, Christian wise uh, about what's inside you because what's inside us is Christ in us but there are some other things inside us too that we may have to deal with Um, I once had the privilege of buying a new house on an estate that wasn't uh, finished but my house was finished uh, it was uh, we, the reason we bought a brand new house is because I am rubbish at DIY. I can't fix anything. Please don't let me near any DIY. I have a go, and usually it comes as a disaster. DIY in my house stands for destroy it yourself. <laughs> it really does. I'm so enthusiastic. In fact, I'll say, oh, no, I can fix that. And usually, Kathy says, can we just get a man in? And I'm going, I'm your man, dear. I'm your man. She says, no, I want a real man, she says. (laughs) We lived on this new house, and partly it was great because there was no DIY to do. And it had a finished new statement over it. But all around us, there were building houses. It was like a building site. I loved it. I loved the fact that my house had a statement and smelt new, was new, was finished, but yet all around me there was unfinished. And that's kind of like what we are as Christians. God has pronounced a finished statement over your life that he has done some things that are complete, they are new, that you are brand new. But how many of you will kind of admit and walk with me that there are some unfinished things in your life too? That some of your life is a building site. That God's still constructing and building things around you. You see, if you want to go into the love of God, you have to accept what Christ has finished and what he's done and then progress into some of the things that he's about to do. Are you with me? Come on, talk back to me. Are you with me today? Amen? Christ, first of all, is in you. Now, this is a powerful thing. Here, I'm going to say quick, this is, this is a sermon series in itself. It's too theological for its own good, but I'm going to just do it. Five quick things that Christ has put in you. First of all, he says that you belong. In Ephesians chapter 1, you are a predestined for adoption. He said, you weren't in my family, come in my family, you belong. You are completely accepted and you belong. Second of all, Christ has forgiven you. Christ has forgiven you, but not only has he forgiven you, he has injected 
projected into you the righteousness that he had. He's put it in you. He's placed it in you. All of our past is declared forgiven righteousness through the faith of Christ to all all who believe. Romans chapter 3 tells us, you are forgiven. Forgiveness is one of the core issues in Britain today. People know they need forgiveness and they won't admit it. The third thing Christ has done is give you presence that God has actually made a home in your inner being. You see, this is what distinguishes us from many other religions. Um, Christianity is the only faith that says Almighty God lives within us, somehow in our being. We're not being arrogant. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible says he's put the spirit of Christ in our hearts. Can you, can you get your head around that? That God lives in you? That God, who is the very God of all creation, says, I will dwell in you. Come on, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But he's not just kind of at the side. He's actually in us. It's very theological, I know. We have been given the ability to have relationship with God. In fact, the Bible calls it atonement, at one In fact, the Bible says that you have been completely, uh, everything that you've done wrong, what Jesus did on the cross, it completely satisfies God. And God says, that's enough. That's enough suffering. That's enough sacrifice. I'm completely satisfied with what God did. And so, with what Jesus did. So now I'm going to make you at one with me. It satisfies me. There's nothing else to do. It's amazing that God puts this inside of us. We are in relationship with God. You see, this is why our Muslim friends struggle with us. They think that we're arrogant because God, they, they see that God is up there, uh, so distant and, and God is great, you know, and, and how can you say that you can even talk to him? He's so great. And we've just sung how great you are, how great you are, because we know that he's awesome. But actually, the Bible says, and it says it in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, if you want to look at it in black and white, it says we are reconciled to God, which means we can have a relationship with God. I talk to him, he talks to me, and we become friends. That's not arrogance, that's grace. That's grace. And so I would say that Christianity is the distinctive faith on all the earth because it's the only faith where God says, I come to live in you. That's a quick summary, but this is the bottom line. Christ in you is very powerful. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Yeah, come on. More than two or three. Let's praise God for that. Christ in us. It's just great. It's just magnificent. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The bottom line is, it's really powerful. And yet, we kind of take it all for granted and we begin to forget and we begin to struggle through. We begin to uh, think that we're on our own and Christ all the time is going, I'm in you. I'm in you. But as well as Christ in us, 
we also have to look at what also, what's also in us. And there may be some things that cloud the full force of the love of God in our lives. All this beautiful love, this wonderful love, this foundational love. There may be some things in our lives that, that, that kind of act as a filter to begin to filter that out because it, it kind of dilutes almost the reality of the presence of God in our life. Christ is in our lives, but there are three important things that I just want to highlight before we worship God again. Is that okay? Three things that, that you're going to have to face. Something that clouds the love of God is something what I call a crystallizing event. When I was eight years old, I found my father dead. I found him. I was the one that discovered him. No eight-year-old should have to do that. You might have had an event in your life that is painful. And a crystallizing event is something that is so painful as a, mem as a memory that it's taken up a governing, shaping, overly shaping role in your life. That actually that you've got an event in your life that now governs the rest of your life. And, and I'm not saying we don't, we don't simply need to move on. That's not what I'm saying. What we have to do is we have to learn not to deny our pain, but begin to learn the lessons from it and walk carefully with Christ through it. We do need to come to a sense of how we will go on because that's happened to us. And I have great compassion that for some people in this room, some terrible things may have happened to you. But you have to decide, having heard that Christ is in you, that the love of God, you have to grasp it, that you're going to have to decide, how will you go on from this point? Let me help you with that. How will you get a sense of how we move on from here? Well, just as a, as a parable, almost a, a life picture if we kind of take you back to the Old Testament, to the first chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm just going to read you a couple of verses from that book. It's from verse 6 to verse 8, if you want to follow along in your Bible. Let me read it to you. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Have you stayed long enough at that massive mountain in your life? Break camp and advance into the hill country, of the Ammonites. Now let me Amorites. Let me just say to you, the Amorites were not friendly. It was a difficult journey. God wasn't saying, hey, forget about it. Walk on. We'll go up this nice hill. He's saying, no, I've got to take you through an enemy territory, somebody who's going to cause you pain. But then he says, go to the neighbouring peoples in Arabah, in the mountains of the western foothills, uh, foothills, into the Negev, along the coast, and to the land of the Canaanites, and they weren't friendly either, and to the Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. What God says is, if you will decide to walk carefully and painfully, even through those enemies, I will bring you to your inheritance. But you've got to decide to walk through it. 
Go and take possession of the land that he swore to you he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. This was their faith journey, and it's your faith journey. You may have a crystallizing event, and you may have heard me say that Christ is in you. You're forgiven. You're adopted. That's your inheritance. That's your land that you need to walk in. And you may have to walk through some painful things, but That is your promise. God will get you there. But it's going to take faith and determination from you. But actually, tonight it might just be a prayer away. It might just be a miraculous prayer away where God loosens its grip on your life and you walk out that door free. Because I believe not only in journey, but I think he brings miracles as well. So, one of the things we have to look inside of us is that some of us have got some crystallizing events that are overly governing our lives. Despite what's happened to you, let me remind you, there are still promises and inheritances for you to take. Can I hear an amen from everybody? Amen? Number two. Maybe you need to look inside of you and perhaps you haven't got any crystallizing events, but possibly you might have what can be called a soul tie. A connection to someone when you make someone such a source of security that you believe that their opinion and affirmation of you is the source of your health and your opinion, is the source of your security that you can't live unless they say that you're okay. That you might have a teacher, a parent, or somebody in your life that has so put their stamp on you that you're always living in their shadow. Your soul is tied to them. You know, Queen Victoria, um, uh, she lost, she, she was enraptured with Albert, her husband. I mean, their love story is huge. I mean, if you want to do romantic stuff, have a look at what Vic, Queen Victoria said about Albert. She, she said, I have found the love of my life. And they were married for about 21 years and Albert passed away and died. For the rest of her life, and grief is a terrible thing. I'm not minimalizing it. It is a journey to go through grief. But for the rest of her life, every day she told her servants to make up his bed, to pour out water so for his shave. He was dead. She had his clothes laid out. He was dead. She often slept with his nightshirt holding into her. Now, guys, that's not funny. That's somebody's soul tied to somebody in a way that's making their significance hard to come out. That's making their own significance smothered. I just wonder if perhaps you have someone in your life that if they smile at you, you're happy. And if they frown at you, you're unhappy for the rest of the day. I wonder if there's somebody in your life 
who your soul is tied to. Albert died in 1861 on the 4th of December. She died in 1901, but she stopped living when he died. She stopped living for another 14,283 days of her life. She couldn't let go of him. Now, we don't let go of people who've, who've gone, but I just wonder if there is someone who your soul tied to. And you've come tonight and you were kind of expecting a, maybe a bit of a different talk, but I wonder tonight, even if perhaps you're not a Christian, the reality of what I'm saying is actually true in you. That you say, well, I, I, I am not free of that person. You see, where we find real security is in our purpose in Christ. That's why I'm preaching on it in the morning, so that our biblical view of us Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above. Don't get your soul tied to earthly things. Set your minds on things above. Don't, don't, don't think that everything is about what is here and who likes you and doesn't like you here. You see, we have to have healthy relationships. Of course, Kathy and I, we love each other so much. Oh, sometimes we, it's, just, it's just great being married to me. Uh, to Kathy, sorry. Uh, and there may be someone in your life who you really love. That's fine. I'm not saying keep everybody at a distance and, you know, be suspicious of everybody. But is there somebody who their opinion, affirmation, their, their sense of who you are is so strong in your life that actually you've begun to resent them? And you probably need to forgive them and release them and let it go. Because we know that our hearts get tied to the wrong things. This is why the psalmist says, search me, God, and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. crystallizing events, something that's happened that's taking so much of your life, a soul tire, an opinion that you've tied yourself to somebody and you rise and fall with them. And yet really God is saying, I've got purpose for you. Think of yourself who I say you are, not who they say you are. But thirdly, the thing that clouds the love of God in our lives is stronghold beliefs. Beliefs that have embedded themselves in our lives. There are repeated patterns of thinking that focus our minds in a negative and unbiblical way. We go into a room and we automatically think, nobody likes me. We've trained ourselves to be unbiblical about the way that we think. I, I, you, you can tell that, you know, I'll throw myself into most things. And, uh, well, we've just moved into a new house and um, you're all invited for tea. And uh, <laughs> Kathy's staring at me, saying, don't do that. <laughs> but 
We just moved into a new house and we've had to tidy up the garden and so I'm throwing myself into, I, I'm kind of the sort of guy that I'll hack my way and tidy things up. I'm not sure I'm very finessed at things. But in my garden, there was a thorn bush and I could almost hear it saying, you'll never dig me up, you'll never dig me up. And I, you know, I'd pull it and it'd sting me and then I'd dig down and you know, it would snap off but the root would be, I could almost hear its voice saying, I'm still here, I'm still here. You know, and I was digging down and digging down and eventually, it was all over my garden, eventually, you know what? I found the taproot. And I found the very root. In fact, in my garden, just to get technical for a while, it's got a membrane in it. I lifted up the membrane because that root had even gone underneath. And I reached down. I could feel it going, no, you'll never get me. And I'm going, I'm going to get you. I reached down and I pulled that root out and putting it in the bag. It was stinging me. It was going, no, I'm alive, I'm alive. I'm going to And I was putting it in there. Stronghold beliefs have been our friends for a long time. And when you start digging them up, they're going to sting you. It's going to be difficult for you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. And now what we have to do is say, this thinking... This thinking that says, I'm going to be a failure. This thinking that says, nobody likes me. This thinking that says, I have to have that kind of possession to make me valuable. You don't need any possession to make you valuable. Christ makes you valuable. All of that, that root of, if I don't make it to the top of the ladder, I'm not valuable. All of that thinking, and I'm nothing against ambition. You should do the best at your job. Christians should be the best in their jobs, don't you agree? And they should be the nicest at least. You know, They should be uh, really engaged in their careers and all the rest of it. But that thinking that drives you on so that you're never happy no matter what you achieve. You make 99 out of 100 and you go, oh, I should have made 100. That thinking that drives you, that spoils things in your life, you need to uproot that system deeply within you. And you do it through three important things. First of all, the Father heart of God to you, that he loves you. That he, his heart is towards you. First letter of John says, how great the love the Father has lavished on us. And you need to revisit again that you have a Father who says, I adore you. You need, you need to go back to that place. Secondly, you need to see that the sacrificial love of Jesus has overcome everything against you. Your parents, your brothers and sisters, your background might have told you all your life how unworthy you are. But the love of Christ says, I love you and I paid for everything in your life. Is there a Christian in the house that kind of says, yeah, that's, that's good, Pastor? Yeah? Have you seen that? And you know, the other thing, the father heart of God, that, that knowing that the sacrifice of Jesus is enough to overcome everything. 
And then having a sense that we live in grace, not judgment. Now, that doesn't mean to say we don't have any discipline. That doesn't mean to say that we we never draw any boundaries, but actually we have to stop being judged. We have to stop judging others and we have to stop thinking that we are judged. Dig it up. Come on, turn to your neighbour and say, dig it up. Dig it up. Dig it out. Come on. Dig it out of your life. Dig it out. Come on, I'm saying it again. Dig it out. Dig it out. Why is it in there? Why are you wanting that, that belief to sit there that causes you to think negatively all the time about yourself? Hey, this isn't just self-help. This is biblical foundation. Unless you can visit again the love of God. Dig it out. Dig out that thinking. When pastors talk like this, we can feel a little bit unfinished. We can feel a little bit vulnerable because we are kind of being honest with ourselves. Are you being honest with yourself today? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, actually, and we're, we're going to kind of worship in a minute. But can I just say that here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect in order to progress. You, you can, you know, there was a man in the Bible uh, and uh, God touched his hip and he limped for the rest of his life. You may be walking with a limp, but you can still walk where you need to go. Do you know what I'm saying?
Hey.